0: Welcome to Politics Done Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Welcome aboard Politics Done Right. Uh, District Attorney Kim Og, how are you doing this morning?
1: Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free.
0: I'm doing great, thank you about telling you. I am doing fine. Now, D.A. Og, before we get, well, actually, as we get started, why don't you tell us what uh, you consider the things that you Uh, that you best change and did for the county as a district attorney for Harris County?
2: We changed the culture and the face of the district attorney's office to reflect the community. We started hiring from all three law schools instead of only two, as the previous DAs had done. We diversified the leadership and changed the policies related to substance abuse addiction, both for felony drugs and misdemeanor drugs. And we've exonerated seven people in seven years. That's never happened before. On the side of traditional prosecution, we've received major verdicts on high-profile murders, serial rapists, and other predators that go after the most vulnerable people in our county, elderly kids. So working through both a pandemic and a hurricane, uh, I'm the only DA in history who ever faced that. We were displaced to 11 buildings. And the way we got through it was we took our office paperless. It took three years and 50 million copies uh, being made, but we did it. And so our lawyers were able to move more easily without having to physical files around. And I think we're the biggest office in the country that's fully paperless. So the obstacle was turned into the way and we not only survived, we thrived. We just have needed more people because of the caseload. We're the most understaffed DA's office among the top 20. And that's been the nature of my advocacy for the last several years. I started under a Republican court. Now I'm under a Democratic court. And we're just undersized for a county of 5 million people. You can't expect lawyers to have caseloads of a thousand and do as good a job as they could if they had more help. So I think I've done a lot for the county in bringing to light the under-resourcing of much of the court system. I think we've completely changed policing and enforcement and prosecution of drug crimes. And I think when it comes to traditional prosecution, we've only focused on the people who we must separate to protect ourselves. So you have a very different DA's office today than you did seven and a half years ago. And it's really reflective of a new era of criminal justice, a balanced approach.
0: Now, what would you like to see in the future uh, for a I think this would be a third term. For a third term, what would you like to see in the deer? What would you like to change going forward?
2: Well, I'd like to change the number of crime victims that are out there. Like, and I deal with people every day whose child was murdered or their husband or wife was raped or something horrible has happened to them. And the delays in the system are sort of insult upon injury. Until people can get justice, they can't properly grieve. And so I would like to see the labs fixed, unified, consolidated so that we get our evidence faster. I would like to see more lawyers and more support staff in the form of social service folks who can help our crime victims on site. We have a lot of help for offenders coming out of the public defender's office. You have relatively little help for crime victims, and I think that disparity, that injustice Creates distrust out there in the community. They don't know whose fault it is. And I don't think blame is what we're after. I think what you want is just improved services so that there's less violence in terms of policing relationships. I think it's going to be really important in the next four years for police culture to adapt to the new way of looking at substance abuse users, mentally ill individuals and those people who cops come across that are not traditional criminals and yet they have to deal with. And so I think there's going to be some major changes and improvements. And I want to make sure that we drive the conversation and the narrative, that it's not driven against us by people who are panicked at widespread crime. Things are getting better, but they hit an all-time high in 2022 in terms of murder and violent crime. And I think you can't just tell people things are okay. You have to
0: prove it. I sort of take exception to a lot of, uh, first of all, there's, a, there's crime. One of the issues I have with how, let's say Republicans talk about crime is that they talk about it as law and order, we lock you up, uh, we throw away the key or in that sort of a nature. And I think many people would ask the question, Is that really what's happening here? Uh, Houston is a metropolitan area of over 4 million people, over 5 million people, actually. And uh, in as much as we consider what we see here as a high crime rate, first of all, I'm from Central America, but I mean, you take a look at uh, uh, other places. uh, Yes, relatively speaking, crime rate high, but I think we have a tendency to scare the American citizenry into thinking crime is more uh, prevalent than it is. As a lead district attorney, do you not see it that uh, these things should be talked about in relative terms and not scary terms?
2: I'm evidence based. And what I go by are the statistics. The crime rate is kept by the FBI after states and cities report. It's not a very complete look. what's really happening but either is 24 7 news coverage of fatal accidents and murders so media coverage to some degree drives talking points of both parties I don't believe that crime is partisan and I don't believe that either party should use rhetoric or crime to do anything but inform people. Um, If it's being used to manipulate people, then I think that's wrong. So we look at, for example, the number of cases that we file, and it's been relatively the same, about a 100,000 a year. We got to a low of about 88,000 the year Harvey struck in 2017. But for the most part, it's been relatively the same. So I hear, many people giving statistics about my office, including my opponent, saying, oh, we filed more and more cases. Not true. We've seen violent crime increase in certain categories. And so you see greater filings there. And you see the advance of technology. Example, we used to file about 250 murders or capital murders each year. Now we're filing about 400. It's not because the murder rate has jumped 150 percent. It's because cameras and technology are capturing a lot more evidence and it allows police to solve the cases much faster, which means we can file them faster. So I think it's really important for people to get full information. You know, during political season, The rhetoric is at an all-time high. It's often not based in fact or data. And so that's part of why I came on your show. I've heard so much misinformation by people about our office, and I wanted to set the record straight. So I don't agree with Republican talking points that were out of control, but I don't like seeing Houston listed by data As one of the most violent cities in the country, that's terrible for our businesses. That's terrible for our morale as a people. So what I would tell you is that these things are very solvable. They do require resources and people want to feel safe. So I don't believe in trying to BS them and tell them everything's fine when it's not. But I also don't believe in scare tactics to motivate them to do something that's not related to crime, like, you know, vote a certain way. I think crime is something that uh, you're looking more to vote on solutions, not the problem. And what you want out of candidates and elected officials is what we're doing about it. So what we're doing about it is we just triage everybody, the low end, nonviolent cases we're handling thousands of them outside the system. You wouldn't know it from the political scene, but we've been doing that for seven years. Thousands and thousands of people being moved through the system without getting a criminal record that they can't get expunged or non-disclosed, or being moved completely around the system. So that would give people comfort if they have a child that's got a drug problem or if they've got somebody mentally ill in their family to know that we're handling it in a way that they don't go to jail. Beforehand, but I think people also want to know that if their child or their neighbor is murdered, that we're on it. That the police are doing something about it. The labs are cranking out the evidence, and the DAs are prosecuting as quickly as they can. That people just want a system that works, Egberto. They're not. I don't believe in this black and white law and order on one side and soft on crime on the other. That's just not the facts. That's not the world.
0: Anyway, let's go ahead and open up the lines. Come on in, uh, Emily. Hi,
1: awesome. Um, So I I can ask her a question?
0: Yeah, go ahead, ma'am.
1: Okay, awesome. So I wasn't aware about this until The Chronicle covered it, but since then it's kind of been a really big issue for me. Um, So I'm a Democrat here in Texas, Harris County, and according to the article, apparently you hired the Texas GOP General Counsel, Rachel Hooper, and then you paid her 175K to conduct an investigation into Harris County Deslina Hidalgo. And I just wanted to know out of all of the great lawyers here in Harris County, why you chose the representative of the DOP to investigate um, Des Lina Hidalgo. And then also, according to a Twitter thread, um someone put in a request for information and that document was altered. So I want to know why you altered that document before like people knew what that um, contract was for. DA? Uh,
2: yes, I got it. So Lena Hidalgo's staff was investigated by the Texas Rangers. They continue to be investigated because of the documents that were or were not turned over pursuant to subpoenas uh, from the grand jury. A grand jury is a random group of people Who cases are presented to who determine probable cause. They determine if they think a crime has occurred. And while it's not beyond a reasonable doubt, it's only probable cause that's done by regular people. So first of all, I didn't hire the, I didn't hire a Democrat or a Republican. I hired Baker Hotstetler, a firm that was already hired by Christian Menifee. So because they had been hired by the county, it's easier to, bring on a vendor that's already been hired than it is to hire somebody completely new. They employed a former prosecutor. My staff is understaffed, especially in public corruption. And I don't think that's necessarily by accident. I think that there are very few DAs in the state that actually are able to prosecute local corruption, because there's so much political retribution when it happens that you get a lot of misinformation, just like the Chronicle put out. They're feeding you the defense theory, that this is somehow a politically motivated investigation. I don't know if the Rangers have political motivation, I've never seen that. I can tell you that my lawyers don't have political motivation, but more importantly, I don't know which of my lawyers are Democrats or Republicans. I'm the first Democrat to lead the office in almost 40 years. I was the Democrat that led the ticket in 2016 and helped Beto turn Harris County blue in 2018. But I will tell you that I don't ask the political affiliations of the people we hire. I don't know if that attorney was working for the Republican Party at the time, because I don't believe that people's First Amendment rights are something that I have the ability to quiz them about. This um, firm was hired as a contractor basically to marshal the evidence, to draft pleadings. The lawyer did not go to the grand jury, and the lawyer did not lead the investigation. Uh, We have a team of prosecutors that basically supported the Rangers. And I think what you should be concerned about is when $11 million of taxpayer money is directed to somebody in a way that violates the law, that that cheats the public and creates distrust in the public, especially when the money's not fully returned. I mean, there's still a million four out there. So I think that focusing like the Chronicle did on linking facts that really aren't related, other clients of Baker Hot Settler or their lawyers' personal political views. I just want you to know we don't quiz people about that. They have a First Amendment right in our office to do anything they want. I treat the contractors the same way. And I don't have any idea if that lawyer was working for the Republican Party at the time. So what I would tell you is don't focus on trying the prosecutor. Focus on the evidence and be concerned with whether your public money is being handled appropriately or not. That was a response to a complaint filed by an elected official. And we have a number of cases that have to be investigated by somebody under the law. I think the idea that any DA would turn their back on a legitimate complaint against somebody for a partisan reason, either to favor a Republican or to disfavor a Democrat, would be a violation of our oath. And my job and my uh, dedication to the law is just greater than that. So everyone claims political prosecution, including Dr. Hotze, a right-wing activist who's being prosecuted for helping try to prove that the 2020 election was stolen by Hiring a group of people who investigated privately somebody they considered a suspect in ballot box stuffing. They ended up holding him at gunpoint and violating his rights. And so that case is being prosecuted too. And of course, their lawyers claim political prosecution. So we get it from both sides. Very little of our work has anything to do with politics, other than at times we violate, we, we, help investigators look at election code violations. That's about as close to political influence as we get.
0: Okay, DA, let me me just uh, take a a bit of exception. Uh, I think earlier on you had gone to the um, commissioner's court uh, when you were seeking some more money for 100 or so more DAs. I think you said that you don't have enough DAs in your office. Why? You, You know, you may go outside and get some more. Granted,
2: we don't. Right. We're the lowest staff DA's office. By the way, your picture is frozen.
0: Your picture is frozen. Did you move your camera or something or? okay, no, that's fine. Okay, that's fine. Anyway, DA, here's here's my
2: signal, I think. It's
0: the signal. It's the signal. Oh, there you go. You see, we want to keep your your face on the screen. No, anyhow, here's here's the issue, um, DA. When you, when you went for that money the first time, and, and this is something that had drive, driven me crazy. And I know I know sometimes you say, well, like, Bepto, why do you allow somebody to say X, Y, Z on your show? And I'm going to give it a couple of examples why. When you went for that money, you showed up with a whole bunch of cops to, to make a statement. As a lefty Democrat, me, myself, I almost found that offensive. It's like, well, let's why? talk about it. Yeah, whoa, let's, whoa, talk, whoa. About it. let's yes. talk about it. Let's talk about it.
2: I am the top law enforcement official but I'm not a pol- but I'm not a first responder. I don't control police. I don't they don't work for me. We're actually a check and balance on the police just like the courts are check and balance on us. So the time that you're talking about our rollover money was taken by the commissioners that knocked out an entire class of young DAs that we were trying to hire after the bar exam in August of that year. The financial moving around of the money was done mostly by taking surplus Left over in our budget, which was earmarked for us for hiring a new class. So I went down to protest $4 million being taken out of our budget. The people who came with me were all elected constables. They showed up because money had been taken out of their budget, which cost them officers on the street. But now, our fight in government interdepartmentally is always over money, Egoberto. I mean, who doesn't want more money for their?
1: employees
2: for their duties to the public. So to say that I showed up with a bunch of cops, I am one of them. I'm just not a first responder. Right. We had our money. We had our money taken. It hurt operations. The time that I came and asked for Mm -hmm. more prosecutors, first of all, when I was elected, we had a Republican court. I immediately asked them for more money because they were having us use funds that were not meant for everyday expenses it was illegal i made that point to the republican commissioners they voted by majority at that time to give us the right money and that had been something that others had fought over forever when i went to ask for more prosecutors it's because of the staffing is so under it's so disproportionate to the size of the population we serve, that when you want to handle things better for people, you need more people to handle their cases, not fewer people. The longer you leave somebody pending in the system, the worse it is for them and the victim. So I made a record knowing I did not have the vote because I knew this day would come when we had more cases. I didn't know about the pandemic, but I certainly knew that if you looked just like any other CEO at the trajectory of how the city was going, that we would have more cases than we could handle. But and that's, I'd, that's what's happened. And miss, so, yes, miss go ahead. DA, yeah, let,
0: yes. let me, let me, let me break it. And guys, I'm coming right now. Sure. Because sure. Like, like I said, I, like I told you, when we spoke on the phone, I'm super respectful, make sure that we, we, we do things in an orderly fashion. Again, uh, the rhetoric that was used then was that, and, and i think it was very offensive to democrats that was we were defunding the police something that first of all doesn't i think it was a silly form of wording that that when that moniker came out we should not have used that moniker what we really meant was intelligent policing you don't send the people with guns for something that a psychologist should be doing that sort of a thing now, it it was problematic to me as a person to hear the word used against, let's say, the commissioner's court that you're trying to defund the police. When, in fact, from a numerical mathematical point of view, you were actually receiving more money as well as these constables were receiving more money. So you can say oh, no, that no, it was. Re- a, no, we were not. I saw the that's numbers. A bunch of
2: smoke, that's a bunch of smoke and mirrors. The data doesn't support it. What actually was done for law enforcement was done countywide. They gave countywide increases in exactly. funding for insu- wait, 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 wait for insurance and for benefits and for cost of living raise, not increased money for salaries, not increased money at that time, not increased money for more prosecutors. So this nonsense about you received more in gross income, of course we did because everybody in the county received more in certain years. But no, we have not been increased. And the reason that I can't say why law enforcement chiefs Both Democrats and Republicans said that they were defunded, but Mm -hmm. I can tell you that when you took four million dollars out of our office when the commissioners did to fund other things, it really screwed up the staffing because that money was earmarked.
0: uh, So we
2: we didn't keep getting more money. That's a perpetrated misinformation that I I object to.
0: Yeah, okay. I'm going to leave that one alone and just say, in the absolute and let's agree in the absolute you got more money but in a in a county that it, that that people don't want to pay more taxes Wait everybody generally I don't go, agree
2: we you cannot just look at the gross bottom line and say, well, because they gave cost of living increases and increased the amount that they provided the departments for insurance, that we got more money. No, okay. the public so that defender we can get, got a lot more money, but we did uh, so, not get a lot. So money. that
0: we can get more callers. And I, I just want to say that. Um, well, I have some other questions on that later on, but let's go ahead and right. bring people in. And, and I'm going to ask everybody, because the phones are full now, I'm going to ask everybody to be very uh, civil and quick with any question you have. And I'm going to ask our distinguished DA to be quick with the answer to your particular question. So let's go ahead and go to uh, Brian first. Come on in, Brian.
1: First off, thanks for coming in and talking to us. Uh, You had the endorsement of uh, Jim McInvale, which he's a very conservative Republican. And it's not shocking that he stepped out of his Republican status to endorse the correct candidate. And that's the difference between voting in mass from the Democrats, no matter who the the candidate is versus who is best for the job that separates the Republicans from the the Democrats. Okay. Brian,
0: thank you for your narrative. I knew exactly what I knew you were going to say that. And that's why I called on you right out of order but real quick brian uh anyway uh you're speaking to a one of our great republican callers here on on uh, constancy to our show anything else you want to say brian uh
1: yeah some of the veterans will never forget that lena hidalgo had endorsement of anoy jane
0: all right brian i actually like i actually like miss uh, F- jane fonda as well but we'll talk about that another time brian okay thank you for calling in my brother Let's go to Donald. Come on in, Donald. Good morning. Thank you for being on the program. How are you guys doing today?
2: Great. And thanks for calling in.
1: Yes, ma'am. What is available that you guys have available for the 17 to 25 year old uh, individual on a plea bargain? Is there any more court regimented intensive probation programs or anything of that nature left? Or has that all been done away with?
2: Just the opposite. Everything's been expanded We have two pre-charged diversions, meaning you never go to jail, you don't have any record. That's for any marijuana possession under four ounces. And that's also for anybody with a mental health history who is charged with a nonviolent low-level misdemeanor. In terms of the types of pretrial intervention programs we have, for felony drug offenders, we have a whole court that deals with anyone in possession of under four grams of controlled substance. And for all other misdemeanor offenders, as well as some felony offenders, we have pretrial intervention programs dealing with theft at a low level, dealing with uh, domestic violence where there's no major injuries. And so we offer people a way through the system without a permanent record approximately 20,000 times a year out of about 100,000 cases. So the dismissal rate, which I've been criticized for, is actually a reflection in part of all of the pretrial diversion programs. Many people don't know what diversion is. On this radio show, they may. But what it means is some alternative sentence, some alternative solution that doesn't leave a person with a criminal record. So that's been one of the major accomplishments of the last seven years is that thousands and thousands of people each year have avoided criminal
0: histories. Thank you, Donald. DA, I, I do want to take an exception to that in that you did go after a whole lot of um, uh, judges who you deem to be quite a bit lenient in. Uh, in, uh, I think you you called a few of them that they are they are against the prosecution, the prosecutors.
2: You'd have to show me. I've never said anything like that. Uh, what Biden, I said, Bynum. Well, Judge Bynum was removed. He has been reversed about 28 times. And I would say he's a self-admitted system anarchist. But I've never called him a name. I don't do that.
0: I think you just did. <laughs>
2: He's a self-called, but, I, I told you, that's but, what I've read. He called himself that he was going to destroy But there's the Johnson. That, that
0: I could name five of them. But I just wanted to mention that I think that we haven't separated, let's say, the por- uh, in, in, in your case, the portion as a prosecutor and to some extent blaming some of the judges for, uh, no, no, let's say, release. No, no,
2: not Have you blamed-
0: blaming. What no. did you do?
2: The D.A. does not set bail. All we do is advocate for public safety and. No, no, the no.
0: Let, let, let's be clear on that one. Actually, th- you let, let's get clear on that one, though, uh, D.A. You can actually force a judge based on uh, not enforce, force, but you can actually I don't remember the, the form number to say, well, look, this person definitely must not be released because they are a danger to society. Agheberto. You have that power, wow. right?
2: Just a moment. I have the power to advocate. I do not make the decision. Only a judge has that power. So look up Article 17 in the Code of Criminal Procedure, Judges Set Bail. So it's not going after somebody to say their record on bail is X, Y, or Z. That's a fact. That's what advocates do. But I have not on record as attacking our judges, although they feel uh, I'm sure attacked because I feel of that of way. And cousins. I, I
0: watch, I watch you. I, look, you're a very competent deity, There's so absolutely no doubt about that. But I do see that uh, when you don't get your way, that in effect, you, you know, you, you do lash back. And I think you did a lot of that with judges. And I don't know that, uh, well, I'll, 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 All I will tell you is yeah, everybody's go got
2: their own record. Everybody's yes. got their own record. Right. So I'll stick with my record, which is asking for repeat violent offenders to be held without bail or to be held on sufficient bail. All I'm doing is pushing back, trying to give you the facts that as we see them and as we know them.
0: And that's why you're in KPFT, because we can have a honest conversation right now. Of I'm course. coming to you guys on the phone. We have quite a few more on the phone, but I want 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 to um touch on, on something else, cash bail. There was a time that uh, you were for, in fact, cash bail, where, in other words, if somebody comes in with a misdemeanor, you shouldn't have to pay some bonds dude uh, to take away your income to get this stuff done, right?
2: And I'm still for that. I'm still agreeing to low cash, to no cash bonds for misdemeanors, with the exception of the misdemeanors that cause Public safety concern, domestic violence, DWI, stalking. So I've always been for that, and we've supported that. What I'm not for is the release of repeat violent, violent criminals. Offenders.
0: I don't think anybody, and I don't think any judge, uh, any judge wants to release somebody who's going to commit the crime and I think a lot of the narrative tends to blame these judges for well they were easy on crime when the laws are made in Austin Texas they are the en- you are the enforcer of the law and they are the interpretation of the law but you know yes. I want to I want so I think I think there's a bit of in the entire discussion some disingenuity there but but let's go ahead and talk about bail and crime because the truth of the matter is, and I think you'd said this as well, that somehow crime rate has increased with the release of misdemeanors where all studies says otherwise.
2: Okay. We released a report that said people released on certain misdemeanors violated their bond over and over by committing new offenses. That was the evidence that supported There were problems with the way that bail reform was implemented by the misdemeanor courts. Doesn't mean that bail reform was wrong. Doesn't mean that I'm for keeping people in jail who can't afford to get out, especially when they're charged with a nonviolent crime. I'm not. I never have been. And yet, if you look at what's being said about my record, I'm always misquoted on that. So just to clear up the record... Nobody should be kept in jail for any misdemeanor simply because they can't pay bail. Just like nobody should be released without an appropriate
0: consideration by a judge of the public safety and of the victim's safety. Earlier, we started the conversation where we said we were data driven. The data uh, says, the data absolutely says that uh, misdemeanor bail reform has absolutely not increased the crime rate that is actually a statement of fact but i have a question from um so i i I need that left you know just a
2: second Agaberto. yeah go ahead you're quoting bail monitors and there's not proof that it increased the crime rate no one said that Mm -hmm. that's a generalization and those terms are important what i would say is it increased the risk for certain people when Offenders were released over and over after committing new crimes, whether they were violent misdemeanors or whether they were violent felonies. But really it's important to take all this nonviolent misdemeanor conversation should go away. Nobody is for keeping people in jail. Okay,
0: we're, we're close on time, and I want to get a question in from a in the chat that says, like other Democratic D.A.s in Texas, why didn't you stand up for women's rights to choose when you had a chance to, uh, by saying you would not prosecute women under the abortion law? And I think I know what your answer is going to be, but please proceed.
2: The answer was it was a trap. And every one of those D.A.s has had to walk those statements back. That letter was used to cram a bill through that says if we have any kind of written policy or oral statement about refusing to prosecute a category of crime, abortion, that we can be removed. I wasn't going to expose the women of Harris County to a potential Republican replacement who's pro-life. If I'm removed from office, my opponent says he's protecting women's rights. Let me tell you, I went to Washington and marched for my reproductive rights on my time, on my dime. I'm a woman and have been uh, a gay woman all my life who's very interested in women's rights. So to be mischaracterized in Uh, that way when when what I'm doing is trying to protect Houston women. Can
0: I say,
1: I I want to be
0: presumptuous. I want to be presumptuous here. It's offensive. I want to be presumptuous here in in stating that um, I, you know, I know who you are and I know, I I think I know what your values are based on knowing you for years or following you for years. But I do think uh, many times in your role, remember in speaking to you, I told you nothing that I ever say is personal. It's all policy, all policy. I do believe, I do believe that many a times our politicians, because of certain types of triangulations do certain things, whether whether uh, whether perceived or otherwise. Michelle, uh, please, facts show that crime has increased even in misdemeanors. Look, the one thing that we do at Politics Done Right is we talk factually. You are simply wrong if you believe that these crimes have increased based on uh, if the crime rates have increased. Okay. That's a false statement. We don't do that here. All right, let's go to Stephen. Come on in, Stephen.
1: Good morning, morning uh, Tim. I have to say that I initially voted for you twice. badly. I don't think I'll be able to go forward with that. In particular, one of the reasons it is this. Stephen Bowen and... The other gentleman that you have uh, indicted for, uh, quote-unquote, murder is not receiving a good and proper justice, and that is to say that if they were treated as the common men that they essentially are, they would be tried for uh, capital murder. Along with the in the total 12 finish that ran in on those, that couple in the height. This is the same mistake that is being made with the January 6th committee in that anybody charged with a felony that results in the death of anybody is then charged with capital murder. This is systemic across the United States of America. And I think you are very much missing the point of that prosecution by allowing that to happen and as much as you also are uh, holding your feet and not moving forward with this prosecution. Okay, Stephen, I- let
0: her let, let, let answer, Stephen, because we have a lot of other people, but I appreciate and thank you so kindly for your sh- your call, my brother. Uh, D.A.?
2: Gerald Goins was indicted by a grand jury for murder. Um, His partner, uh, Stephen Bryant, also indicted for tampering with evidence. And then 10 other officers were indicted for uh, a variety of overtime theft and tampering with records charges. The judge in the case was recently arrested for domestic violence in Galveston. The judge in the case sets the schedule. In the trials, we're ready for trial in the Harding Street matters. To the best of my knowledge, we are, and we look forward to presenting that case in court. And while I hope to earn your vote, I respect everybody's right to make their own decision. I came on the show thanks to Egberto to set the record straight. So I want you to know that I believe that the people at Harding Street, the victims deserve justice. I believe that Regina and Dennis were regular people whose rights were violated. And Gerald Goins is the one who filed the false affidavit, according to our evidence and charges. And so he
0: will be tried for murder. Let, let's uh, let's go ahead and um, bring Lisi. Come on in, Lisi.
1: Hey, good morning, Kim Og, and good morning, Abizal.
0: Good Hi, morning, name, Lisi.
1: Hispanic.
2: Hey there. I'm a 60-year-old Hispanic female. I was a precinct judge for many,
1: many years, a Democratic precinct judge for many years. Kim Og has my vote. The... Um, The situation with Lina Hidalgo is that Kimog was doing her job. There was
2: a weird contract that happened. It needed to be investigated. I don't know if who's guilty or innocent, but it needed to be investigated. Uh, So thank you very much. Bye-bye now. I'm going to hang up, okay?
0: Thank you very much for calling in, kindly for calling in, Lisi. Now, since you opened the door to Hidalgo, you know I'm going to say something, okay? Now... um, here it is, DA. I'm, I'm always measured in the way I say things. There are a lot of things that go on in county government and otherwise. I know nothing about the contract that we're, was talking about, spoken about, but I'm pretty darn sure that if you want to prove illegality there you have a whole lot of work to be able to do that. That's it. It seems, and I'm going to speak to you now, I'm going to take my host hat off and talk to you as a Afro-Latino Caribbean man. And this is where I'm going. Looking from my eyes, and and first of all, um, this is nothing that I'm saying on you as the person, but you as the politician. The doctor that, that gave out some drugs uh, for the, the COVID vaccine, I can't remember his name right now, Rodney Ellis, Lina Hidalgo, our high-profile cases that you picked up. Looking from the outside, and I don't like to racialize things, but looking from the outside, it seems like there was reason. Let's even assume that there was a tacit reason for you to go after these these folks. I could name you three or four others that would have become high profile cases that your office let slide. I know you're the DA and have a lot of other people working under you. No, no. Let, let me. No, no. But but here. let me. Let me finish. Let me finish. I mean, let me finish.
2: you're you're saying you're accusing me of letting cases slide. If here's the thing, we yes. can't let this slide, and so all of those cases were based. They first they weren't cases; they were investigations. We right. are not a primary the, investigating aid. Ag- we are not an investigating agency primarily. So we support through warrants and subpoenas investigations by law enforcement, traditional first responding agencies like the Rangers. So what I want to tell you is all those were filed as complaints. Dr. Gokol's case was called in by Lena Hidalgo's office as a complaint by the health department. When cases result in no bills, that means the system worked for them. The grand juries didn't think a crime Occurred, but would you rather have one person, me, making a yes/no, thumbs up, no. thumbs down decision on those people? Oh, no, awful. in some
0: cases, it, look, I, I have enough confidence in you that in some cases I would want you to do that. In the case, uh, and the reason why, let's uh, the reason why is most all these people were no build, and I think right. in your heart, in your heart, you probably could have had them. No build without any political implications. But let me tell you what it looks like. And the reason I brought up. Wait, 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 that
2: implies that I control grand juries. No, actually, you do. No, 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 you do.
0: No, 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 Miss DA, you have a lot of power. You are the most powerful, uh, the most powerful legal entity in this county. And not only are you the most powerful, you are the most persuasive when you go into a grand jury room, you know so that a grand, I know that I'm just
2: not going to agree that grand juries are fixed when you tell mm-hmm. people that they don't have any faith in the system. Why should they even bother to show up if you tell them I can get somebody indicted wrong? Evidence is what is presented to a grand jury. If we make up evidence, we go to jail. And so to say that we control the grand jury system that took 30 years of liberal activism, to make random, is to just spit in the face of Johnny Mata and a lot of us who worked, Carol Alvarado, who worked to change that law. So yes, the DA has a lot of influence, what i would tell you is their job though is legal not political it has to be based on evidence so we can't just make something up but if you want a da that will just make a thumbs up or thumbs down decision then you're going to get some very political decisions you i would remind you the people that you name did get no build you know mm-hmm. who got true bills dr stephen hoti a very I know him. Yes, Republican. Mark Aguirre, the former police captain of the Kmart raids who violated a ton of people's civil rights. He was hired on this ballot box stuffing scheme. And so you also have Republicans who have been indicted by grand juries for election related or public corruption type cases. So what I would tell you, Egberto, is... I don't think you want a DA who's going to act like Caesar and make a thumbs up or thumbs down decision. I think you want to leave those decisions to the community. And again, whether Lena Hidalgo's staff is guilty or not, that'll be determined by a regular jury. But what the grand the, jury has said is they think they committed a crime. That's all they've said. But they will stand trial, whether I'm the DA or not. Those public corruption cases will move forward because people made legitimate complaints and grand juries acted.
0: Uh, Miss DA, I I, <laughs> I, I I hear you, Miss DA. But I still think there are times when more discretion should have been used, more discretion, in my opinion, that, that w- with that. Uh, the, the black man, uh, what's his name? Um, Hervis Rogers. I, you notice, I I I told you I was going to get a little bit racial here as an Afro Latino Caribbean man, and the reason why <laughs> is as follows. Um, let me tell you what I thought about when I saw the Hervis Rogers. Well, first of all, why don't uh, you, you, don't, you don't let me finish, my dear. No, but dear he was DA. indicted
2: in Montgomery County, is the one who filed that. Miss DA,
0: no, that was the Attorney General of Texas who filed in Montgomery.
2: That. In yes.
0: And he was, and he, the, and he, the judge yes. says that he could not be, that the, the, the attorney general didn't have the power to do so. Now, right. the attorney general then came to you and brought the case to you, right? And you went ahead and made this guy go, to, without him knowing, go through the jury, the, the grand jury system. You could have, Let's at it because he was not indicted. Again, he was not indicted. And therefore, here's the deal. When election
2: complaints are filed, there's another law that says we have to investigate. Remember, we're not the investigators. So we have to find somebody to do it. In that case, there was really nothing to substantiate the charge other than kind of raw allegations that were, um, I can't say What they were, but they were filed and it required us to act. So the act came out just. He was no billed. He was not taken before a grand jury. His case was simply presented so that you didn't have a Democratic DA um, being accused of making a Caesar like thumbs up, thumbs down decision on an election case. People are really concerned about the sanctity and the integrity of their elections. So we put things to the community because I believe in empowering the community to make these okay.
0: decisions. Now, let me tell you why. Why I was so distraught with the, the issue with Purvis. Uh, you know, as a Democrat, that there is a whole lot of voter suppression uh, that goes on. And, and when I say a whole lot, I mean in, in not the way that people see voter suppression. But Purvis uh, or Hervis, hear me, Purvis, Hervis, that had a chilling effect on many people because now should I vote? Should I not vote? Will they come after me? Will they not come after me? Not everybody is as sophisticated as you are or many other voters. So I think when, uh, you know, when a Democrat comes for somebody like, let's say, a Hervis, I think the least that should be done there is to say, folks, this is not uh, this is a special situation or something, because I can tell you that left a chilling effect. And again, again, there are things that when I look and I say, see things through my eyes. Because when you see things through my eyes as a as who I told you that I was, uh things take a different shade one has to be careful when we see that uh that uh even if it's no bill that you go after prominent minorities, whether Latinos or black, and I fit both profiles that's what i'm saying the- per- The perception that one sees is that wow uh our republican brethren. Are going to love seeing that because you t- you tied all the dots together, you know. We get a little bit of a little suppression. We get a little bit so, of a, so attack Berta. on these people. Yeah, go ahead, I please, wanted, dear.
2: I want to share uh, your perspective is very valuable, and I respect it, and I can see it. I love other people's perspectives. As a gay woman who is the top law enforcement leader in a culture yes. that is traditionally rejecting of people like me as well as you, it's very important that I follow my oath to the law. If I simply say, well, this person is fill-in-the-blank, and so I'm not going to do my job and turn this decision over to the people of a grand jury, who, by the way, I trust the people. I trust the people in this election, whichever way they go. I trust the people on juries, whichever way they go, because our job is not just to convict, it's to seek justice. The best way you get that is in the community through their verdicts, not through Decisions by a Democratic or Republican elected D.A. While our job is elected politically, the actual work is legal. So my perspective as a gay woman is that as a female leader, we're held to completely different standards. So for me to just be Caesar-like and make decisions because somebody is a particular ethnicity, national origin, party is wrong it's the exact kind of justice you don't want DA, You one want of the justice. reasons i mean you DA, want justice based on facts
0: da one of the reasons that uh i had the conversation with the tonality that i have is exactly for that reason because women are judged on a different platform because our lgbtq brothers and sisters are judged on a different platform and that is why in also I think one holds you accountable because you know what it's like. You know I what do. it's like. Bart, come on in. Good morning. Thank you for having me.
1: I was just uh, wanting to let uh, DA Kim Og know that I'm a concerned taxpayer here in Harris County. And I want to know, you mentioned the $1.4 million that Elevate Strategies took. Can we get that back? And how can we go about that?
2: You know, that would be up to the auditor and our uh, county attorney. And I think that it should be recovered. Our job, while we try to get restitution for victims, including taxpayers, our job is basically to prove the case.
0: Um, I I, I wanna chime in here. Remember, uh, this organization was not found guilty of anything, okay? Uh, So uh, it is important, I mean, BARD, that that is realized. Uh, Maybe maybe somebody Uh, knew somebody, Hold on a second, Bart, please, my dear brother. Maybe somebody knew something or somebody of the other, whatever. Sadly, this is a mainstay in county government. I am sure many of the people that our sister here hires, Kim, she knows them on a social basis. And they got the job because they were both competent and because she knew them. So criminalizing, that you're hiring people that you're rubbing shoulders with should not be done. And that is one of the issues I had. Didn't you accuse with...
2: me of cavorting with Republicans? Yes, <laughs> I I'm did. Is, no, no one. The evidence of of relationships is not what's at issue. I want to thank you, Egberto, for giving me the opportunity to present a perspective from your top law enforcement official who supports 14,000 cops in the Harris County area and represents nearly 5 million people. I want everybody to know we are dedicated to fairness, not convictions. We appreciate the opportunity that we can give people by not marring their record further. But our primary job is public safety, and we want you, the public, to actually be protected from the people who rip you off, who rob you, who rape your children, and who kill people. And so our motives are good in that we seek your protection and that we seek to keep people in the workforce who deserve a second or third chance, and that's what we do. I want to thank the voting public for supporting me in the past, and I want to ask you to support me again, not because of some popularity contest, but because of my record of making difficult decisions in your best interest, trying to not act as Caesar, an independent decision maker, but a collaborative leader who relies on the community's power to listen to evidence, and do the right thing. And I think we see that every day. So I want to give people faith in our justice system and hope in our political future. Partisanship is not uh the job of the DA and you will not see partisan decisions by me and if that hurts me politically, if I if my job uh if doing my job means th- that I lose my job. Well, then I leave with a clean conscience because public corruption and the public trust are the single most important factors in terms of participating in our democracy. And I want to thank everybody
0: for your support. D.A. Kim Og, thank you so kindly for spending this overtime as well with Politics Done Right. Um, You have a wonderful rest of your day, and I imagine that you're heading out to the polls uh, right now to vote, correct? soon as I change shirts. All right. Thank you so kindly, DA. Thank you.